Okay. If you don't press the button. <laughs> Is it? David's going to fix the camera. Mm -hmm. David's going to fix the camera. Yeah, but that's for Facebook. Yes. David will fix it. You'll fix it on there? He's a fixer, man. He'll fix it. <laughs> Okay, my friends, are we good? So, this is the second in a series. And in the first part of the series, we set out to establish that the notion of a birthday is Jewish. The idea of observing a birthday, or that a birthday is actually considered a special day in your life, a day that has virtue, value, and merit, Yiddishkeit-wise, is an ancient Torah truth that goes back to the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, and the Jewish people as they're leaving Mitzrayim. The beginning of our peoplehood, the dawn of our nation, already emphasizes this notion. We explain that in great detail. So, the question then comes, a birthday party's kosher. Yes, according to Torah, there's something special about your birthday. How about a birthday party? Should we be celebrating? Is there room for joy? Is this not a pagan thing? Isn't it not something that non-Jews have always done and something that traditionally we don't find in Jewish circles? That's a reasonable question. It's a fair question. And but before I begin today's class, I want to just explain to you that whatever sources I'm going to quote today, besides the fact that I'm the ultimate plagiarist, I say nothing that's my own. Shoot me when I start speaking my own ideas. Okay? This is, <laughs> I'm here to tell you what Torah truths truth say. I'm here to tell you what our sages taught us. All of these uh, sources that I'll quote for you today would not be able to lead me to a conclusive direction. In fact, it didn't lead anybody to a conclusive direction. And the fact remains that until 1988, in the Jewish community, there was for the large, you know, by and large, for the most part, not a celebration on birthdays. That is the truth. We don't have any major Torah sources for it. And it was the Rebbe on the morning of Chafei Adar, honoring his wife's birthday and her memory, who launched this campaign. He says, you know, we should start celebrating birthdays. So I don't come to this conclusion on my own. I'm sharing it with you. I observe it because the Rebbe told us. You have to be the Lubavitcher Rebbe to come up with something like this. This is not something that ordinary people can come to on their own. A person who knows the entire Torah, a person who's a tzaddik, a person who is wholly dedicated to the service of Hashem, who has the ability to see the light of Torah in its, in its organic form can tell us when it's time to deepen or develop a minhag, a custom, and, and when we've, so to speak, gone on to a new development of Yiddishkeit. So, so with that little preface, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying today to explain to you the Rebbe's shita. The Rebbe, the Rebbe did launch a, a, a birthday campaign. He did want us to make a birthday party. He did want birthday for bringings. He did. He, he said we should. This is his instructions. But the Rebbe explained himself. And when you will finish this class, you will understand in, I hope, very lucid fashion, 
how the Rebbe presented it. I'm also going to present other sources to, to, to broaden your appreciation of the subject, but I just thought that was important to say. I once read an article many years ago about, about um, Hasidic leaders and non-Hasidic leaders. And the writer, I think it was about Yosef Bloy from Yishalayim, wrote this article, and he said, Reb Chaim Valozhna, Reb Ichala Valozhna once said, I, I respect the Hasidic leaders. He was a decidedly non-Hasidic leader. He was from the Lithuanian yeshiva stock, going back almost 200 years. He says, the problem is they're like a stomachache. So they said to him, a stomachache? Well, what does that mean? So he said, you know, when a little boy doesn't want to go to Cheder, and he says, I have a headache, I have fever. So his mother feels his forehead, and she says, you don't have any fever. You're just fine. You're trying to play hooky, go to Cheder. But if a little boy says, I have a stomachache, how are you going to prove he doesn't have a stomachache? He says, my, stomach, my tummy is hurting. No, your tummy is not hurting. My tummy is hurting. He says, you can't prove it. So the Bishlava Lajna said, as he says, by the Litvish Goenim in the yeshiva world, if a Godel be Yisrael, if a great leader amongst the Jewish people advances a theory, an idea, an ideal, everything is buttressed with layers of Torah understanding. And it makes sense. You can, you can so to speak, you can, you can analyze you can evaluate, you can conclude. So the Hasidic Rebbe's is like the tzaddikim, whatever the tzaddik says, I have to listen. Why, who, what, when, don't ask any questions. So the writer of this article says, it's funny how everything's come full circle and now is at the 360 degree mark. We're in the non-Hasidic world today, in the Litvish world today, when uh, a big Rosh Hashiva says something, it's called Das Teira, and nobody's allowed to question. And he cannot justify or explain necessarily, he doesn't have to. He says, but our Rebbe, everything that he said, he justified and explained and clarified. And then there were talks, and the talks were written, and they were edited, and there was Mara and sources added. And really, it's like the idea when the Jewish people were ready to receive the Torah, they said, Nasa, which means we will obey. And then they said, Nishma, which means we will listen, a euphemism for understanding. We should listen, we should obey. We listen what the Rebbe says. But at the same time, that does not preclude the necessity for us to understand what he said, for us to appreciate where he's coming from. And, and that's kind of what, the, what today's class is about. So let us, let us just preface by saying that the notion of celebrating birthdays and observing birthdays, as we discussed in, our, in the first episode, is something that is well-founded. It's not, it's not like a chiddush, it's not a real novelty, it's a well-founded idea. And there is even a very, very old source for an, an actual celebration. This is found in the Medrash Seichel Tev, which was written by Rabbeinu Menachem nearly a thousand years ago, or 900 and something years ago. And... I quoted this to you in the previous lecture, and I'm just going to reiterate it for emphasis. The Medrash Seichel Tov says that Roiv bnei Odom mechavvim yoyim shehu tashlum shnosam. Most people appreciate or cherish and value the day that they finish their cycle, they finish their year, which is a way to explain a birthday. Come around the cycle. And he says, shehu keneged oisa hayem shanoila, that corresponds to the day that they were born. 
And he finishes with the words, V'smechim bai, v'oisim bai mishta. They rejoice and they make a party. It's a very ancient source. Rabbeinu Menachem collected Midrashim, much like the Alkut Shemoni, and the Medrash Seicholtev is considered to be a, an authentic collection of Medrash. The Medrash Seicholtev is, is um, quoted at length by the Mordechai, by the Maharam Mintz, by, by Major Rishonim. Major Rishonim, the Medrash Seicholtev is not somebody's postulations, it is considered to be an authentic tradition of our sages that goes back to the time of the original Medrash, and some of these Medrashim were not found elsewhere, or were not preserved, in other, in other sources, but the Medrash Seichotev says clearly that Rav and Bnei Adam, most people appreciate this day and they make a mishta. Which leads us to kind of assume that once upon a time birthday parties were very commonplace amongst Jewish people. It certainly seems that way from Rabbeinu Menachem. The question is what happened? And I don't have the answer. <laughs> I don't know, but the fact also is that by and large, birthdays were not known to be celebrated in the Torah community. That is, that is a fact. There is one other source that I found, and that is the Ben Ishchai. The Ben Ishchai is much, much, much more recent. The chief rabbi of Baghdad. He says, Yesh There are those who have a custom, and we speak here not about non-Jews. We're not talking about pagan faith systems. We're not talking about other cultures. When it says in Ben Ishchai, when it says, Yesh who are we talking about? the Jewish community. Well, that's, he's, he, he has a compilation of Minhagi Yisrael, of the customs of the Jewish people. So he says that there are those who have a custom of making a yomtef. And he writes, V'simin yofehu. It's a good sign. Meaning it's propitious. V'chein noigim bebatenu. The Ben Ishchai says, in my house, that's what we do. So the Ben Ishchai, in his house, his family, they celebrated their birthdays. That's pretty clear. And then he says, I heard that there are places in which they have a, a festive day, uh, and they celebrate the anniversary of the Brit Milah. And, and he says, it's a nice minhag. It's, it's very nice. Uh, we don't have such a minhag. He says, I, I, I've never seen this. We don't do it in our house, in our community, but it's an interesting minhag. Tellingly, the Chatam Sofer maintains that the celebration that Avraham Avinu made for Yitzchak, there are a number of different opinions, whether it was a birth date, whether it was a Brit Milah, whether it was a, a Bar Mitzvah, whether it was the day he was weaned, a number of different explanations, but the Chatam Sofer follows the opinion that it was a, 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 the Brit, when he was brought into the covenant at eight days old, and he says that Avraham Avinu used to make a simcha on an annual basis to commemorate the bris of Yitzchak. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, this idea of commemorating a bris. We're going to come back to this later, because although the Rebbe doesn't cross-reference this, the Rebbe seems to say something very, very interesting and very similar, which I'm going to come back to later. I guess, I guess the point of what I'm trying to tell you is that if somebody is to say, well, this is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's idea, I'm not a Lubavitcher Chassid. Well, it's not exactly so. We have a Medrash. We have Rishonim. It's not, it's, not, it's, not as if, it's not as if this is only something that the Lubavitcher Rebbe introduced on Chafei Oder, Tafshimam Ches, on the Rebbe's birthday, the first birthday after her terrestrial lifetime had ended. However, it has to be acknowledged that in most communities, including the Chabad community, nobody really had birthday parties. Birthday parties were like a kid thing. Like little children have birthday parties. Like teenagers didn't have birthday parties. Grown-up people, it seems, didn't have birthday parties. That was kind of um, 
you know, to use a colloquialism, this is a It's like, that's how people used to speak. That's, that, 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 that was common. So, I, uh, what I want to do first, first and foremost, is just give you a little, a little bit of the source material to show you that in Chabad, birthdays were observed, and that it, that is an ancient custom to observe birthdays. However, we're going to talk specifically today about making a simcha, making a party, or more accurately, a fabrengen. And there's maybe a difference in a party and a fabrengen, because a party is just empty or kind of vacuous merrymaking. And a fabrengen is an opportunity to serve Hashem and to express our thanks and gratitude towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to use it as a springboard for enhanced Yiddishkeit devotion. So there's a letter from the Friedrich Rebbe, which is in the, dated the 19th of Tammuz, the year is 1940. Very interestingly, it happens to be the day of the previous Rebbe's bris. I mean, many years later. And he says that your letter reached me on my day of celebration, which is the day the previous Rebbe marked his release from incarceration and from a Soviet death sentence. And he says, he notes that it's Kimuva Bisfarim, as is brought in holy books, that on the birth date of a person, that the person should contemplate, should review memories, he should meditate, things that need to be fixed, things that need to be maybe upgraded in life, this is a good day to do so. So it's a contemplative day, it's a day to stop, to think, to reevaluate and recommit. That's how, that's how the Friedrich Rebbe puts it in this letter. This letter actually, an excerpt of this letter, makes its way into the Hayom Yom of Yud Aleph Nisan, which is, happens to be the Rebbe's birthday, although nobody knew that at the time. And the Rebbe writes that on the day of one's birthday, that's what one should do. It should be a contemplative day. But tellingly, the Rebbe doesn't write in that letter, Friedrich Rebbe doesn't write, and the Rebbe doesn't say in Hayom Yom that it should be a day of joy, that it should be a day of a party, a day of a simcha. And, and it was always the Chabad custom. And I'm going to read to you from a little book called Sefer Mahagim Chabad. And in Sefer Mahagim, page 81, there's an entry called Yom Huledet. And there's like a collection of different things here. After it follows the cycle of the year, and then there's different things. So on the Yom Huledet, it says that the custom of the Hasidim, especially lately, is that for a birthday, if you're male, you get an aliyah on the Shabbat before or on the day of. You give added tzedakah. This, of course, referred to everybody before you daven, and one should add in their Torah study and, and uh, recommit themselves to doing what is good and right and just and holy. That's, that's we observe birthdays. So there's no mention of a fabrengen, there's no mention of a simcha, there's no mention of joy or celebration. And this is how it was. This is how it was for many years. And, you know, I grew up in a, in a Lubavitch home, in the Lubavitch community, and there was no such thing as celebrating your birthday. I did, as a child, I had birthday parties, because that's what, I don't know, children expected to have birthday parties. But really, the last birthday party I had was my bar mitzvah, I guess, it was on my birthday. And then, well, my birthday was a day. It was, wasn't, there wasn't a, something that you necessarily advertised, or you made a party about, and so on and so forth. And then, on that morning... In 1988, other, the Rebbe comes back down after davening and he introduces us to a whole new world. Okay, so what did the Rebbe say? What was his rationale for this notion of, of, the, of the birthdays? Ah, before I go further, I, should, I, should, I want to share one more thing with you. And that is 
that the, the, there is precedent for the celebration of the birthdays of tzaddikim. That is, that's celebration. Is there precedent for that? In fact, there's a Taisvis which is found in Masechet Nazir on page 14a. And the, the, the Taisvis says that if somebody says that he would uh, invoke or engage in behavior, Kemoshe Bezayin Adar, the way Moshe Rabbeinu behaved on the seventh day of Adar, which is next week. Right? That's Moshe's birth date. It's also the day of Moshe's passing. So the Taisvis says, the Biyayim Hivaldai. On the day of his birth, there was a great celebration. This is not referring to Moshe Rabbeinu born the, originally on the day he was born. He was born under cover. It was, it was, he was hid when he was born. Nobody was told about his birth. So clearly, when the Teisvah says, the Teisvah obviously is referring to how the Jewish people celebrated Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. And there is... Uh, it's brought down in, in Svarim that big tzaddikim used to celebrate the, their birthdays or their birthdays were celebrated with their community. There's a sefer called Ma'asaf Sharibina that brings down that there be soul of Ruzhin, the great-grandson of the Maggid of Mizrich, who was a Rebbe, who was known for his ways of Malchus. Externally, he exhibited tremendous opulence and wealth, even though in his own life he suffered much privation, but he kept that under the wraps superficially. For everybody else's eye, he lived a life of tremendous prominence, the, 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 the glory of Torah, and uh, fulfilling the dictum, Man Malki, who is our royalty today, Rabbanam. And, and there are those who say that Rabbi Saul Ruzhin, in, in Ruzhin, they did celebrate his birthday, but this is like Anhog of a Melech. That's because he was part of his Anhog of Malchus, since he did everything in a royal way. So is a kingly thing to celebrate a birthday. Moshe Rabbeinu Melechaya, Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday is celebrated. We know that the Baal Shem Tev used to make a Sa'uda on Chai Elul on the day of his birthday. And this is also the day that he was revealed as the Baal Shem Tev. He received instructions. It's the day that a Malach came to teach him Torah. It's the day that he blessed the Alter Rebbe's parents and the day when the Alter Rebbe was born a year later. There's a lot of things that happened on Chai Elul and Chai Elul was an important day celebrated by the early Hasidim. But, but um, the notion that ordinary people, that everybody should celebrate a birthday, was certainly not the case. Um, growing up in Lubavitch, Aleph Nissen was a big day. The, the, the Rebbe's birthday was certainly celebrated from 60 and onward. The Rebbe used to fabreng every, every year, Aleph Nissen. But again, it was like, you know, the Rebbe and so on and so forth. It wasn't something that ordinary individual people did. The Rebbe comes down this morning and, he's, and he speaks. And in the Sicha, the talk that he gave was transcribed and heavily edited by the Rebbe. So I want to go through this talk and I want to share with you the sources and the ideas of what the Rebbe based his new campaign on. So first of all, the Rebbe began by mentioning the fact that birthdays have always been important and you know, the previous Rebbe at a certain point publicized what, what had been celebrated or really observed in private he had publicized this and made it known. And this is perhaps a subject for another day. Why did the Friedrich Rebbe choose to publicize certain things that have always remained under the wraps? For, with a little bit of brevity, let me just say that, that one of the reasons that's given is as we approach what's called the final birurim, the, the last few sparks that have to be elevated and we're like in the very, very darkest moment of Golas, just about to turn the corner. Now is when we get all the koyach, all the extra empowerment, and now is the time to take care of things that have not been taken care of previously. So s certain observances were done in private by 
special people, what's called Yechidis Gula, exalted souls. And at a certain point, the previous Rebbe said, now it was time for everybody to do certain things. So maybe birth dates weren't such a big deal. And then at a certain point, the previous Rebbe reveals that it had, had been marked and observed, and it's based on the Gemaras, and it's based on the Tsar, and it should be observed. So the Rebbe says, they would like to add something. They add something. And his suggestion was that everybody should celebrate their birthday. And that the birthday celebration should be a public one. He said, together with members of the family or with friends. Why? What's the reason for having a public birthday celebration? How, how is that in any way, shape, or form going to make us better Jews, shall we say? How is that an act of Avedis Hashem? Why would the Rebbe care if we did this? Why would he bother suggesting it? What did he want to accomplish? So the Rebbe says that on a very, very simple level, since the day of a birth date, as we've established in our previous class, is a day when we have added spiritual power and ability, in, in the words of our sages, mazal gover, our mazal is very strong. So since that's the case, it's a day that's appropriate and it's a, it's an, a most effective of all days in our life to make hachlotas tevis, to make a good resolution, to resolve, to live our lives in a better fashion than we had up until this point, to energize and intensify our Yiddishkeit devotion. So the Rebbe said, since it's important on a birthday, to accept upon oneself new resolutions, since a birthday is like kind of turning the corner or going around the cycle and you're going to start a whole new year, like a, like a Rosh Hashanah, and you have to like raise the bar. So the Rebbe said, when you do this in a state of simcha, it's much more effective. In other words, the Rebbe said, we know when it comes to doing just about anything, if you're happy about it, it goes better. If you're not happy about it, it doesn't go as well. It's very simple. The Alter Rebbe in the 26th chapter of Tanya builds an entire thesis on this idea that in our life we are oftentimes cast in the role of wrestling with the Yetzirah. And he says when you have two adversaries who are wrestling, if one is motivated and joyous and the other is not, chances are that even if the second has superior firepower or more strength or even more wherewithal or ability, but if he has no motivation, he's not happy about what he's doing, chances are the one who is motivated and happy will be more successful. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe reasons, we cannot serve Hashem effectively if we don't do it b'simcha. Now, there's a lot to be said about simcha, especially as Hasidus describes it. It's said in the name of the Baal Shem Tev that uh, simcha is, is considered to be the mitzvah that's more powerful than all the other mitzvahs, even though it's not actually a mitzvah. I know you're all thinking there's that song, Mitzvah Gedol Elias B'Simcha. That is not from Book of Mitzvahs. That is not one of the 630 mitzvahs. That comes from the writings of Nachum of Breslov, and that's the way he articulated the teaching of the Baal Shem Tev, who emphasized the concept of simcha, but it's actually not a mitzvah. It's not one of the commandments of the Torah. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very powerful way to make sure that all the mitzvahs are done right. The Alter Rebbe doesn't say it's a mitzvah to be joyous. He said, you should serve Hashem with joy. It's not just about joy. If you don't serve Hashem with joy, you won't serve Hashem effectively. Okay, so the Rebbe's reasoning like this. On, on a birthday, we want to make our good achlata, we want to make a good resolution, we want to utilize this day as a springboard, as a catalyst for growth. 
So the best way to do that is by bringing others together and to celebrate your birthday with them. Because if you bring friends together and you're celebrating your birthday, usually that's called a happy occasion. Usually it's not a sad occasion. For some people, birthdays are not so happy. I know a lot of people are not happy on their birthdays. They say, I'm a year older. And they say, I'm getting old. And I tell them the alternative is much worse. So only one alternative to getting old, that's not being. So we should keep getting older, Baruch Hashem. That's a good thing. But a lot of people get a little bit uh, morose on their birthday. So what happens when you get together with others? When friends, relatives, your family remembers your birthday, get together, and... and it picks up your spirit. It makes you happy. And, you know, like David doesn't say this, but I'm going to throw this in, if I may. Whenever you have great ability to do good things, you know who really wakes up and tries really hard to make sure you don't do it? Yeah, the Yitzhara. <laughs> exactly. The Altareva says that there are those who think, and Tanya says this, that when the fact that they have inappropriate thoughts during davening is a sign that the davening is worthless. But the Alter Rebbe says, actually, it's not true. The fact that they have inappropriate thoughts during the davening is a sign that their davening is very valuable. He said, how so? He said, precisely because your davening is valuable, that's why the Yitzhahara is investing time and energy in getting you off the page. Because your davening is meaningful. So the Yitzhahara will use all of its ability to try to make sure you don't utilize the special strength Hashem gives you. And we have this idea that our sages talk about of a mitzvah, the mitzvah that you're supposed to be most meticulous about. Which doesn't mean to diminish any of the mitzvahs. We have to keep all of the mitzvahs. All of the mitzvahs that we're able to do, we should be doing. Nonetheless, there are certain mitzvahs that we can be most meticulous about, most careful about. As the Kabbalah said, the word zoyer doesn't only mean to be meticulous or careful or scrupulous, but it also comes from a common root of zohar, of light. Our souls can radiate with certain mitzvahs. So there are certain mitzvahs that are our special mitzvah. So tzaddikim know what their special mission in life is. How would ordinary people like us, how would we be able to know what is our special mitzvah or what's our special challenge? You know how you can know? The mitzvah that comes really difficult. <laughs> the mitzvah that you find really challenging. Obviously the mitzvah that you have ability for but usually the thing that you have ability to use or to harness for a good purpose, you'll also have opposition oftentimes from the inside. You yourself will kind of either become lethargic or disinterested or frustrated or unhappy about it. Why? That's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah wants to make sure even if you'll do mitzvahs, at least don't fulfill your primary mission. At least you can divert your attention to secondary things. So probably on your day of your birthday we have Mazole Goiver, and you have tremendous ability to make a difference in the new year, probably the Yetzirah is going to spend a lot of time trying to get you down. And it's interesting, because I call everybody on their birthday. A lot of people get down on their birthday. It's a funny thing. Why? Precisely because the Yetzirah knows now you have the chance to do something good. So how can we make sure that we be besimcha? How can we ensure that we'll do this in a good-hearted fashion? The Rebbe says simple. Have a party. Gather your friends together. Listen to this quote from a famous mimer of the Rebbe Rashab, of the fifth Rebbe, which is called the mimer of Acholzu. He writes, he says, Yusayid ve'ikir gadol, a foundational principle, 
very, very important idea in Oiskim Bateyre in those who seek to engage in the study of Torah and in service of Hashem. Sheyishchabru v'yidabru zemze. Talk to each other. Get together. Have a fabrengen. Discuss it. Discuss it. Why? He says, Hein be'esek when it comes to studying Torah, because if a person doesn't study, he quotes our sages saying that when you have two knives, they sharpen one another, right? Like this metaphor of sharpening one knife against the other. So the methodology of Torah study has always been that we study together with somebody. Or even if you don't study with a study partner, if you want to really understand something properly, you discuss it with somebody. Because we all have our own unique ways of looking at things, and that's fine. It may not be the ultimate or absolute truth. We may not be fully developing our potential unless we make a point of discussing it with another. So that's a better way to learn. And the, for the Rebbe Rashab goes on to say that just like Chavrusa, just like a partner to study with, with a match wits against in a quest for the objective truth is the most effective way to learn and to grasp ideas, he says the same thing is also true with regard to Avedis Hashem. Why? He says when people sit down together and they open up. By the way, L'chaim helps for this. It helps people be more open. It's like an anesthetic. People sometimes are painfully shy, so they say a little l'chaim, they're a little less shy. So they speak about these things. And what happens is, when they speak about things, that invariably there are things which you may not realize. And the reason that you don't realize is because of self-love, which means self-delusion. No, but we, none of us see ourselves in the true light. We all see ourselves slightly elongated in some way, shape, or form because, because we're, we have a little, so to speak, uh, skin in the game. It's, it's us. So when it's us, we don't see things clearly. We don't have objectivity. And therefore, when you have somebody else, you don't have the problem of and, the, and, and discussing things together will ensure that you'll be able to do it more effectively. And he goes on to describe this in great detail how the most powerful way to be able to serve Hashem well is with others. Not to do it alone. Don't go it alone. So here, the Rebbe alludes to this mimer that emphasizes the importance of doing it with others. And he says, when you are joyous on that day of Mazoli Goiver, what invariably will happen is that you'll have the ability to utilize that day fully and properly. In the footnote, the Rebbe points out something very interesting. So you make a resolution, you're probably going to share your resolution. If you share your resolution with others, you're a lot more likely to fulfill it. <laughs> so other people say, didn't you make a resolution? Didn't you resolve to do this? Weren't you going to... That's human nature. When, when you share it with other people, you somehow feel more responsible. And, and if you forget, they can remind you. And, and the Rebbe says this is just a, a very effective way for us to have a more meaningful birthday, for us to utilize this special time of Yom Oledet. So interestingly, on that Chafei Adar, the Rebbe did not draw on, you know, all these sources. Obviously, the Rebbe knows all these sources, and he talks about them later when he discusses it on the last day of Pesach. The, 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 the point was not that we have to fulfill these sources. Look at all these ideas. There's a Medrash and a Benishchai, and nobody's been doing it, and we have to change the custom. That wasn't the point. So why should you change the custom? So, so there are sources. Yes, there is a, it's a Torah truth. You may do so. Some had the custom. We don't have the custom. Why should we change the custom suddenly? So to speak. Well, how did, what changed today? So the Rebbe, with his 
Lichtiger, his illuminated perspective on things, that have been obviously thought about this for a very long time, and he came to the conclusion that the most effective way to get us to use our birthdays right would be to get us to celebrate our birthdays. Because if we do it together with others, invariably, we'll do it better. We'll be more careful about how we celebrate our birthdays. We'll be able to marshal and harness the natural strength that's given to us because Mazoli Goiver. That was his original suggestion. And then he went on to say, that the truth is, this is relevant for everybody. And he said, it's even relevant for parents of small children who don't even know that the child is celebrating a birthday. Like the child who celebrates his or her first birthday doesn't really know what's going on. And it's questionable if they actually understand what's going on when they turn two years old either. I'm not even sure they know what's going on when they turn three years old. Even if it's a little boy is getting his hair cut. I'm not sure he understands the meaning of a birthday. But nonetheless, the Rebbe said... This should be celebrated by children, by women, by men, by everybody. And even k'tanik tanim, even the smallest of children, should be celebrated by the parents. And the Rebbe said that's because when people come together and they celebrate things in a Yiddishkeit spirit, in a hisvados, in a coming together of joy, so this will enable them to serve Hashem better. And the Rebbe said this is especially true about little children. Because when little children are told that their birthday is a special day and that they have special power in this day and special ability in this day, the children take it really seriously. And the children look forward to this. And then the children nudge you. And you know, there's this prophetic idea of the Heshev Levavot Albanim, that sometimes it's the small children who wake up their parents, their fathers and mothers. So involving the children is not only good for the children, it's also good for the parents. That was the idea that Rebbe shared. So this was about, about doing things in a joyous way. And here, the Rebbe tells us to take a look at the end of the Code of Jewish Law. And I want to read it to you from the original source. The Shulchan Aruch is divided into four sections. The first section is called Orach Chaim. Orach Chaim is the way of life. What's the way of life about? Well, it starts off with halachas like Modani, how you wake up in the morning talks about you have to wash your hands, talks about prayers, talks about blessings, it talks about davening, it goes on to talk about the festivals, Shabbat, things we do on a daily basis. And then it goes through the whole cycle of, of, of the year. And in the end, the last thing we talk about is Purim, because we start the cycle from Pesach, that's when the first holiday we got as a people. That's when our, our national birthday is, as we talked about last week, and we'll get to that in a moment. So the end of the year, the 12th month is Adar, and the last holiday then in the cycle is Purim. So the last set of halachas is, what happens when we have a leap year, which means we have Adar Rishon, and then afterwards Adar Sheni. The question, of course, is when should we celebrate Purim? When should we celebrate life cycle events? When our yard sites commemorated? When our birthdays commemorated? These are all good questions. And the last halacha is about what we do on the 14th day of Adar Rishon. So the Mechaber, the Beit Yosef says, that on that 14th day of Adar Rishon, we don't recite the penitent prayers called Tachnun. And if there's a funeral, we don't eulogize. We shouldn't fast. But that's it, he says. That's it. However, while the Beit Yosef in Tzfat, 
was compiling a Shulchan Aruch based on the rulings of the sages of Sfarad. There was another very great rabbi in Poland compiling a Shulchan Aruch based on the rulings of the sages of Ashkenaz. His name was Abenu Moshe Iserlish, also known as Ramah. And then before Ramah published his Shulchan Aruch, he saw this Shulchan Aruch. He said, oh, somebody did this already. They had the same idea. They worked concurrently, but they didn't know about each other. So the Ramah said, it will be a very bad idea if I publish my book, and then the Jewish people have two codes of Jewish law. There will be Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazic Jews that have two sets of books. Not a good idea, he said. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. He says, he wrote a Shulchan Aruch. He wrote a table, a set table. I'm just going to add a tablecloth. And he printed the glasses. He reviewed the work of the Beit Yosef. And wherever he differed, or wherever he felt something should have been added, he added his glasses. And the glasses are called the mappa, the tablecloth. So first of all, the Ramah, the Mechaber says, some people say you could eulogize. And you may, and you may fast. So the Ramana's glasses adds and he says, really, the custom is the first way. And then he says, Yes, there is an opinion, that you should rejoice a little too. You should eat a little more. You should celebrate a little, even though it's not Purim. Purim is not Dushani. You should observe it with celebration. And even though it's Arba Asar of Adar Rishon, he says, Before you get all excited, he says, No, nah, we don't do this. We don't celebrate Purim twice. We don't make a party. He says, Nonetheless, You should have a little bit more to eat. Do something to make your mealtime somehow a little more exciting. Why? So that you can fulfill everybody's opinion. I mean, if there's an opinion that says you have to celebrate the first, the, the first Adar, the Purim of the first Adar, and, and, you, and you didn't. You didn't fulfill one of the opinions. And really, what, why does it bother you? Like, why wouldn't you want... If the opinion, you should be happy. So, go the extra mile. So, he says, at least add something to your meal. And then he finishes off with a verse from Proverbs. From the 15th chapter of Proverbs, the 15th verses. The good of heart are always partying. That's how he finishes off. So, the Magen Avram says, this is... Besimchas mitzvah selekenu lahamid. This is, means to celebrate, celebrate God, to celebrate Yiddishkeit. It doesn't just mean empty happiness. Celebrate your Yiddishkeit. And he says, And ultimately, when we describe the climax of Jewish history, which is the coming of Mashiach, what will happen then? How is it described? It's going to be a time when we're filled with joy. So clearly, joy is a Jewish ideal because this is the climax of our perfection of the world coming to its fruition is us then will be fully joyous. Okay, so we won't be fully joyous now. We still aspire to joy. And he says, this should be b'mheda, b'yameinu. I mean, that's how the Mogan Avram finishes off. So the Eshel Avram, which is a commentator in the Mogan Avram, he says that the Ramah clearly wanted to finish off with words of comfort, with words of, of consolation, of a better future, and that's how the Mogan Avram finishes off. But he says... The point that's being made here is, that this, this is not just an empty verse. It's not just a nice poetic verse to conclude the Shulchan Aruch with. There's a halachic point here. What's the halachic point? The halachic point is, we have now a discussion in Jewish law. There is an opinion that says we should rejoice, we should have a meal, we should have a feast, and there is an opinion that says we 
don't have to have a feast. So which, which, which side should we take? We have these two opinions in Jewish law. How, sh- how, how should we behave? Which side should we follow? So the Tevlev Mishnah tells us that if there's a question, if perhaps we might be obligated to celebrate, meaning if perhaps the celebration could be an, an act of homage to God, an act of Avedus Hashem, if it's possible that it should be a good thing, go for it. So the Rebbe says, he quotes this Pasuk, and he says, you know, there's this famous Remez, that this is not just for Ashkenazim, because it says, Ubnei Yisrael Yoitzim, the Yod Rama, the Jewish people will leave in Mitzrayim with, with a, a, so to speak, a hand outstretched. And there's a, this, uh, this teaching that this refers to, euphemistically, the rulings of the Rama in Erechaim. And therefore it's binding on everybody, it doesn't matter if you're Sephardic and Ashkenazic, these Piskedinim, these rulings of Halacha, this takes us out of Golas, out of our personal Golas, out of our, out of our, out of our general Golas. What what's the Rebbe saying here? So the Rebbe believed that celebrating your birthday would make your birthday observance more effective because it would bring joy. So what are you going to say now? Not sure. I don't know, but may, maybe you won't. So the Rebbe says, so maybe you will, maybe you won't. What should you do? <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's a psak and shukhan If there's a possibility, if it seems that this could make us a better Jew, if this could help us actualize our spiritual potential better, do it. Do it. And that's kind of how he left it. This is the way he discussed it on Chafe Adar. For us Hasidim, we didn't need any more. The Rebbe said that's what we should do. That's what we should do. There's no questions. No questions asked. From now on, we're celebrating our birthdays. A little more than, a little less actually, than a month later, on the last day of Pesach, the Rebbe returns to the subject. And the Rebbe discusses the concept of birthdays at great length. And here, the Rebbe introduces a much more nuanced and a much more sophisticated line of reasoning as to why it would be the appropriate thing to do to celebrate our birthdays. So, again... The truth is that this custom was not widespread. It's clear that there were those who had this custom. It's also clear the custom was not widespread. It's a matter of fact, of public record, that this was not a widespread custom within the ranks of Chabad Lubavitch and within the ranks of Hasidim. That's a fact. But the Rebbe now makes the case of why it should be changed. So if you will ask me, why should, why should you celebrate your birthday? What will I tell you? Because the Rebbe said you should. <laughs> That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> That's good enough for me. But Nasa is not enough. There has to be Nishma. So the Rebbe there, he explains to us why he made this case. So first of all, the Rebbe repeated what he said earlier. He said, if you remember what we talked about last week, Pesach is basically a celebration of our national birth. And therefore, if it's relevant for the nation, it's relevant for an individual. And this would add Simcha, and the Rebbe was talking about Simcha. That year especially, he said, Tavshin Memches stands for Tismach and Tisamach. And the Rebbe himself suffered the devastating loss of the Rebetzin. And, and the way he pushed himself forward and pushed all of us forward was with Simcha. Emphasizing Simcha more and more and more, going on to say that in our day and age, there was no room for moroseness and misery and sadness and depression, that today everything has to be done with Simcha. That was like allergic to anything non-Simcha. Anything sad that was like allergic to it. Like, didn't discuss these things, didn't talk about these things. Always focus on Simcha. Okay. 
Ivdus Hashem B'Simcha. Then the Rebbe says that having this celebration, making this birthday for Brengen, would actually be a sacred act of Avedis Hashem. How so? So the Rebbe said the following. We as Jewish people, we are accustomed to thanking God for His gifts. Yes? That's not a pretty well-worn idea in Judaism, a pretty cherished idea. We thank God. When is the first time a Jew thanks God on a daily basis? I'm alive. I wake up in the morning. I thank God. We start a day off by thanking God. For what do we thank God? For our soul having been restored, for giving us life. We thank God that He gave us life. That's a halacha in the Shulchan Aruch. We begin our day by thanking God that He gave us life. And on which day did God give you life? On your birthday. So maybe it's a good idea to thank God in that day. Doesn't that kind of make sense? If you thank God every morning that you're alive and you thank God for life, why wouldn't you thank God on the day He gave you life? That's the day when it happened. And the Rebbe says, very interestingly, that every birth is associated with joy. What do people say when somebody's born? Mazel tov. They're happy. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. Birth and joy are synonymous. They go hand in hand. In fact, the Gemara tells us in Meseches Brachas that when it comes to a birth date, or pardon me, to a birth, what should be done? We should recite a bracha. It's actually a halacha. It's a question of, should the bracha be shehechiyanu or hatayva hametiv? I don't want to go into the details now, the discussion of which bracha should be made. But today it's pretty much agreed upon that when there's a birth, a bracha of shehechiyanu should be made. And Rabbi Shacha told me that he advises people who didn't make a bracha of shehechiyanu when their sons were born, which is often the t- case because people are confused, to make a bracha at the bris milah, even though our custom is not to make a shechion at the bris milah because tzayda the yanuka, because the baby's in pain. But if you missed a shechion before, he says you should make a bracha then. So shechion was a blessing that we make when we are happy. It's a happy blessing. Do you know that the Sefer HaChassidim writes that not only should parents make a bracha of Shechianu or Hatova Metiv. Both brachas, by the way, are for glad tidings, good news for a birth. The Sefer HaChassidim says that grandparents should do it also. Now this is not widely practiced. But he says, the Sefer HaChassidim suggests that grandparents should make a bracha of Shechianu when a grandchild is born. And the Sefer HaChassidim goes further and he says, even if there is a tzaddik that you are connected to, if that tzaddik has a child and you love that tzaddik and you follow that tzaddik and are inspired by that tzaddik, then you, you share his joy, you should make a shechiyanu then too. So in other words, birth and joy are synonymous, not only theoretically, but halachically, to the point that a blessing which is connected to joy is actually, is actually acted upon when there's a birth. So following this theme of joy, the theme of joy at one's birth, which is actually natural, it's natural to be joyous, and one's birth, and, and now is an opportunity for us then to say thank you to Hashem that we are. To thank God for being. And the Rebbe goes on to quote a conversation in Jewish literature, and Torah literature, whether or not 
there should be a blessing recited when a boy turns 14 or a girl turns 13. Why is there such a conversation whether a Shekhiyana should be made at age 13 for a girl and 14 for a boy? Because, really, he says, there's a conversation, a discussion about a person being obligated to thank Hashem for being born. However, since when a child is born, the child doesn't have the ability, the self-consciousness to know that he has to express himself and thank Hashem. So when you've gone through a full year after you reach majority, after the age of bar or bat mitzvah, that's when you make a bracha going back to your birth. There is such a conversation. So that conversation clearly serves as evidence that there is a Torah theology, a Torah theory that we should be making a bracha that's connected to joy, not only for the parents or grandparents, not only for others, but actually the person themselves, that we should be thanking Hashem in a joyous way. And then there's a discussion of whether this should be done on an annual basis. Partly because when we come to the anniversary of something, the mystical teaching is that the same forces are at play. And it's like happening all over again. There's a very interesting halacha that says that you have to check if wine turned into vinegar. If you have a question of truma and you have to know. So you always have to be sure to check around the time that the, that the, the grapes originally blossomed. Because the time the grapes originally blossomed, when you come to that time of the year, there may be a chemical change in the wine that came from those grapes. In other words, it even has an effect, whether it's a lunar pole or however you want to explain it, or that there's even an effect that when we come to the same time, whatever it was, the forces at play, the natural forces at play, when something happened the first time, are reanimated or reactivated when it comes to the anniversary. There's that famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tev, who says that when you read the Megillah, that if you read it backwards, you don't read the Megillah in order, you didn't fulfill your mitzvah. Why? Because the whole story of the Megillah is really a miracle that you can only appreciate if you connect the dots, if you read the Megillah in order. But if you read it out of order, it's just a haphazard collection of seemingly unrelated events that don't have a, a, a link to one another. So to appreciate the miracle of Purim, you have to read it in order. That's the literal halacha. Said the Baal Shem Tev, a person who reads the Megillah as a historical epoch, something that once happened, the chronicles or records of yesteryear, you missed the whole point of Purim. If you read that story as, as, as yesterday's news, as last millennia celebration, you missed the whole point. The whole point is to understand that whatever happened on Purim happens again on Purim. And that there's an ongoing confluence of spiritual events or spiritual forces that are now at play. And so on Pesach we experience liberation again and on Shavuot we receive the Torah all over again. And on Rosh Hashanah the world is renewed all over again. And on Yom HaKippurim we're forgiven all over again. And on our birthday we're born all over again. God gives us another lease on life. It's as if just as the forces that spirited us into this world, for which we should have made a bracha but weren't capable at the time. So just as that happened on our actual birth date, when we come to the anniversary of the birth date, the same applies. So that was, this is one idea, this is the idea in addition to the concept of simcha, this idea of nesinas shevach vahidoya, an opportunity to thank Hashem for life. And too often, we're so busy with life, we don't take the time to smell the flowers. Who has time to 
focus on the gift of life, but we're so busy doing life. So your birthday, which has discussed already for, for decades before, had been established as a contemplation, a time for, for meditation. Your birthday is a perfect opportunity for you to do so and thank Hashem for your very existence. Now, truth be told, in halacha, the, no bracha is recited. But the reason no bracha is recited is because a bracha requires something actual, not just theoretical. The Chatam Sofer maintained that when a boy becomes bar mitzvah, he should make a shechianu. However, the Chatam Sofer said he should do it when he puts on tefillin. Why? Because since he was observing all the other mitzvahs in his childhood, the only mitzvah he wasn't doing is when he is bar mitzvah is associated with tefillin. So since that's a mitzvah associated with tefillin, that's when he should make the bracha. In other words, the blessings cannot simply uh, waft around. They have to be connected to something actual. Bracha of Shechiano has to be concretized, actualized. So yeah, maybe, maybe we can't technically make the bracha on your birthday in and of itself. But the theme, the ideal still applies. So even if you're not going to say Shemu Malchus, even if you're not going to recite the formality of a blessing, that doesn't mean the theme of a blessing doesn't apply. And therefore, to make a birthday celebration is not simply an opportunity to joyously utilize the power of this day, but it's an opportunity to joyously thank Hashem for life itself. So that was the second theological idea that the Rebbe introduced. And here, here comes the big question. The question is, after all, the Medrash tells us that a birthday is not really a happy day. Medr says, you know what's a happy day? The day of passing, when somebody dies righteous. That's a happy day. Why? Because a person doesn't know what's going to happen with life. There's a pasuk, there's a verse, and this is found in Kohelas, and it says, The day of passing, the day of death, is better than the day of birth. Why? So the, the uh, Kahelis Rabbah says, and it's brought in a Nedrishtan Chuma also, he says, A person is born, everybody's happy. He dies, everybody weeps, everybody's sad. That's normal. The Nedrish says, no, it's really not the Ve'eni came. Really, really, a person is born, there's no room for joy. Maybe he's going to grow up to be a monster. Maybe he's going to grow up to be an evil person. What are you celebrating? Maybe, he's going to, maybe this is going to be a, force, a negative force. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how a child will grow up. In Tzadik, where there'll be a righteous person. In Russia, will be a wicked person. In Toiv, be a good person. In a bad person. So when should people celebrate? This is totally counterintuitive. But that's what the mentor says. You know when you should celebrate? You should celebrate when a person dies. When a person dies and they left behind a good name, they lived the kind of life that's worth living. You made it through this crazy world in peace. Or we should say in one piece. You lived a life that's meaningful and effective. That's a reason for joy. That's a reason for happiness. So the naysayers will say, the misnagid will say, what do you mean? 
It's an open pasuk that says we don't celebrate our birthday. Here the Rebbe is telling us, celebrate the birthday and simcha and is a reason for joy. It's an open verse and teaching of Chazal that tells us we should not celebrate our birthday. That the fact that people celebrate birth at all is a mistake. It's counterintuitive. What's there to celebrate? It's uncertain. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You celebrate a life lived well. That's a life worth celebrating. That's, that's a person worth celebrating. And then there's this, this expression in the Talmud that says, Nimru v'gamru, adam nivra, nivra. That the, the Talmud says, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it's better not to be born than to be born. Once we're born, we're born. That's not the story. <laughs> but maybe if we had the choice, we choose not to be born. Because life is so challenging. Because betchilas leidasei, at the time of birth, nobody knows who'll be at the end. But then only, quote, like the Teisvah says, when he is a righteous individual, fortunate for him, fortunate for the people who live together with him. So in that case, it certainly seems that uh, this joy of a birth date shouldn't really be applicable. Maybe Tetzadikim, very righteous people. We could be certain they're going to live their life right. Regular people? Who, who knows? Joy and birthday shouldn't be going together. So this is the question. And it's a, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. So let me just stop for a moment to recap before I go forward. The Rebbe introduced a new custom. There's not a question about that. Nobody can deny that. We did not celebrate our birthdays before. And yes, there's a Benish Chai. Yes, there's a Medr Seichel It's not antithetical, Chas Vashalom, to Judaism. It's found, there are Jewish sources for it. There were great tzaddikim who did this. However, to say that this was the custom and that it was common practice is simply deluding oneself. It's not true. It's not true. And the Rebbe said, yes, we should do this. And he gave us this very, very clear line of reasoning as to how he came to his conclusion that we, we are a generation that needs joy. And in general, you can only be effective when you're joyous, especially in our generation, our time. We need to be as joyous as possible. And the only way we'll be able to utilize our birthdays best is by celebrating it. And, and, and the hachlatot, the re- resolutions that we will make on our own, if we made them in the presence of others, they'll be more effective. You'll feel more obligated. It's human nature. Another idea that ever suggested then is it's not merely a technical consideration which is based on the halachic precedent of Tov Lev Mishtatamid whenever in doubt if a, if a meal could contribute to Avedus Hashem, enjoy it, do it. But in addition, that there's this notion of thanking Hashem, birthday's idea of thanking Hashem, and we brought numerous sources for the notion of thanking Hashem on a person's birthday. At the same time, however, our sages seem to frown upon birthday celebrations. Our sages seem to say, people do this, that's kind of stupid. It's, it's really pointless. Don't celebrate birth, says the Medrash. Celebrate death. You don't like how it sounds? Well, can't help you. But that's, the Medrash says, that's, that's realistic. Realistic is, I don't know what this person will end up being. He dies at Sadiq, he's about to celebrate. So the Rebbe says, you need to understand what our sages are saying. They're not saying you shouldn't celebrate the birthday. They're not saying that we should sing and dance when people die. 
What's the biggest proof? When somebody dies, there are halachas of sadness. They didn't know this medrash. There's aninus. Aninus is a state of emotional and, 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 and mental meltdown that a person experiences. We are exempt from mitzvahs, but you can't function. You're in a non-functional state. And even the kind of person for whom you wouldn't sit shiva, anino still applies. And uh, it's not normal to come to a, a funeral and sing and dance. It would not be appreciated by anybody. So how do we understand the medrash? What is really the medrash saying? So the Rebbe maintains that the medrash is trying to give us a perspective on life. In other words, that life shouldn't be taken for granted. We shouldn't assume necessarily that everybody's going to be perfect and good and live life as they should. We should understand and know that life's full of challenges and that the ultimate destiny and goal of a person is not just to be, but to be as Hashem wants him to be, to struggle with evil and to overcome our challenges. The Rebbe says it does not rule out the joy of a birthday. What's the proof? So the proof, the Rebbe says, is from the most famous Jewish birthday that everybody celebrates. What's the most famous Jewish birthday? Everybody celebrates this. Bar Mitzvah. Why are you celebrating the Bar Mitzvah? You're so sure that this 13-year-old punk is going to turn out to be a mensch? <laughs> how, many, how many 13-year-old boys were so enamored with their Torah and their Aliyah and their fountain pen and then five years later you're tearing your hair out? You say, Kleine Kinder, Kleine Tzadus, right? <laughs> little children, little problems, Grace Kinder, Grace Tzadus. What happened to that sweet Bar Mitzvah boy? What happens to all those sweet Bar Mitzvah boys? You know that, that silly joke, this uh, certain faith leader, he came to a rabbi, he said, I have trouble in our, in our house of worship. We have a problem. We have infested with squirrels. And we can't. I called all kinds of pest control. Nobody can get rid of them. The rabbi said, for a fee, I'll take care of it for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, we'll pay whatever it is. We've got to get rid of the squirrels. The rabbi comes, and a little while later, the squirrels disappear, and they're never seen again. He says, rabbi, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay. Just tell me, what was the secret? The rabbi said, simple. I made them all a bar mitzvah. You're never going to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> So lest you think that bar mitzvah is just some colloquial celebration that people came up with because why not, listen to this. It's a Zohar. And the Zohar says that the day, on the day of Rabbi Elazar's bar mitzvah, his father, the author of the Zohar, the famous Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, made a great simcha, kimo b'yom ha like on the day of his wedding. But if you're going to come along and say, did Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai not know that toiv yoim hamoves miyoim ivoldoi? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai didn't know an open pasuk on Gehelas that we should celebrate death, not birth? Why was he celebrating the Bar Mitzvah? It's not a good idea. On the contrary, now is when he's obligated in the mitzvahs. Up until now, he didn't do mitzvahs. Okay, he should have done. It's, uh, it's unfortunate he didn't. Now he really has to do mitzvahs. Now is when the obligation's on him, not on anybody else. What are you celebrating? Now start praying. Don't celebrate. So you're going to say, I know. 
The Rebbe says, you're going to say, well, that's Rebbe Belazar, Belazar, Rebbe Shimon. Talk about this great Tana. Sure, he could have a celebration and because he knew for sure that he was going to be turning out okay and there's no, no concern. Well, here's the little problem. This Zohar is quoted by the Magen Avram in the Shulchan Aruch, in his commentary on Shulchan Aruch, for each and every single one. He says it's a Jewish custom to make a bar mitzvah celebration. And the reason that it's a Jewish custom to make a bar mitzvah celebration is because, because that's what Rabbi Shimon did. And say, one second. Rabbi Shimon did it for Rabbi Lazar, his son. Rabbi Shimon didn't do it for just anybody. He said, yeah, but the halacha and shogun aruch is that everybody should have a bar mitzvah celebration. And it should be, which is actually in its origin a maharshal in Yam Shlomo, where he clearly states that this is the halachic obligation and that is the custom amongst Yisrael, amongst the Jewish people. So the custom is that we should celebrate this. The Rebbe says, how can we celebrate a bar mitzvah? We don't know what this kid's going to turn out like. And there are plenty of bar mitzvah boys who did a really good job on the day of the bar mitzvah and gave their parents a life of grief afterwards. And did not fulfill the expectations. What sticks? What's that joy then? How do you work that? By the way, forget the fact that this question's birthday. This is a big question about bar mitzvahs, and nobody ever answered this question. To the best of my knowledge, nobody ever asked this question. So the Rebbe says there is only one obvious answer. And the obvious answer is. When you're talking about a member of Am Yisrael, what must you assume? What should be your assumption? Your assumption should be they'll do the right thing. In the words of the Rambam, in the laws of Kiddush HaKadosh, he says, Kol Yisrael Bechezkas Kashros. Everybody is assumed to be kosher, which does not mean they should be eaten. Kosher means suitable, appropriate. If you know somebody's not appropriate, that's something else. But if somebody comes along and presents himself to the best and says, I have some testimony to give, we say, well, how do we know you're a good guy? How do we know? So I have a chazaka. Because we have to assume. This was later adopted by the Western world, which is that you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Now that doesn't exist anymore because you can be convicted on Facebook. And then you're tried and that's it, it's over. The whole idea of due process is gone because now in the kangaroo court of public opinion, everybody can be demonized in moments. People's lives can be destroyed, which is a problem. We're not solving that tonight. But the Western world did come to the conclusion after many, many, many centuries of doing things wrong that the Jews got it right. That the right thing is to do that a person should be given the benefit of the doubt and the assumption that he should be assumed to be Innocent, not guilty. In the language of Torah, this is we, we, we were there centuries before everybody else. We said, call Yisrael Becheskes Kashos. We assume that our fellow Benobat Yisrael is Becheskes Kashos. So you come to the father and mother who are beaming at the son's bar mitzvah or celebrating the daughter's bar mitzvah and say, excuse me, what are you so happy about? Mm-hmm. Child, bar mitzvah. So what are you so happy about? How do you know they're going to give you nachas? Maybe they're going to take your neshama out. Maybe they're going to give you a life of misery. What would the parents say back? I should assume that? I should make the presumption? My kids are probably going to take my heart out. So let's not not get too happy now. Let's be miserable. 
I'll get happy when they're about 50 and then I know that they're married and have children and their children are getting married. Now I say, okay, now I can relax. Now I, now I know I'm okay. No? Why? What, how do we live our lives? We live our lives assuming the worst, expecting bad things to happen? No. We, we live our lives with the assumption, with God's help, we pray and we hope and we make the assumption that it's going to be good. We're supposed to live optimistically, not pessimistically. We should assume that with Hashem's help, things will work out well. That doesn't mean that you can go to sleep. It doesn't mean you fold your hands. You roll your sleeves up and do whatever you can. But you celebrate. When you have an opportunity to help, you celebrate. You don't assume things are going to go wrong. To the best of my knowledge, the Rebbe is the first one to ever articulate this question and give this answer. But it's implicit. It's self-understood. The Rebbe is almost really just like making a commentary about life. There is no other way to explain this. This is, this, this is standard. It has to be that way. And so the Rebbe says, well, if it's that way, and that's how we look at a bar mitzvah, and that's when we celebrate a bar mitzvah. Incidentally, the Rebbe points out in the footnote that the very same reasons that are applicable to celebrate a bar mitzvah are also applicable to celebrate a bat mitzvah. It's the same idea. We celebrate the chiv, the obligation, the responsibility of mitzvahs. A person could say, oh, you've mitzvahs. This is, this is not a happy day for me. This is a tough day for me. This is a, this is a difficult day for me. He said, no. It's a day to celebrate. The day when Hashem gave you the opportunity to do mitzvahs, it's a day to celebrate. In as much as it's hard to do the right thing when you're told, and it's not your own decision, nonetheless, you should celebrate that. And so, the Rebbe says, if you're being sameach, because it's biyoyim, because it's a day in which you're obligated to do mitzvahs, the Rebbe says, tell me something. Could you ever have been able to reach the age of bar mitzvah if you weren't born? Did that happen? Somebody who was unborn had a bar mitzvah? <laughs> you're celebrating coming to the age of a mitzvah. You're celebrating your 13th birthday. It's your 13th birthday. You had to get born first. So if you celebrate your 13th birthday, because this is the day you merited to come to the responsibility of serving Hashem, this is the day you merited to have the obligation of mitzvahs, then you have to celebrate your birthday, because if you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have any obligations of mitzvahs. You'd be a malach, you'd be a ghost. You can't have mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are given to people. So your birthday ultimately leads to that. The Rebbe goes on to suggest that one could even argue that, that, a, that a bar mitzvah is like a spiritual birthday. That's, that's, that's when you come to be, so to speak. Come into being means the purpose of living, of life, is to serve Hashem. And when are you able to really serve Hashem, make your own choices, when you bar bat mitzvah? Okay, so it's a spiritual birth. So you should only celebrate the spiritual birth and not celebrate the terrestrial birth. It is the terrestrial birth that allows and enables the, sp the spiritual birth. Now, of course, by now, you might be asking yourself, how come nobody ever celebrated their birthdays before? I don't know. We just didn't. But the fact is, that Rebbe is pointing out to you that this is so basic. He, he even goes on to say that for Jewish people who are majors, who have reached the age of majority, every year on your birthday, not only are you celebrating the day of your birth, what else are you celebrating? The anniversary of your Bar Bat Mitzvah. Because if the Bar Bat Mitzvah is the day that you came to the obligation of mitzvahs, then what should you celebrate every single year? The anniversary of the day you came. 
It's, it's, it's the same idea. If you celebrate it the first time, you celebrate the anniversary of it. So, for sure, in other words, and people say birthday parties are for children. No, no, wrong. Birthday parties are also for children, especially for adults. Because once we reach, once we're over Bar Bar Mitzvah, not only we celebrate the day we were born, terrestrially, physically, we also celebrate the day we're born, spiritually. The day we came into, the obligation, the responsibility of serving our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And so, this is why the Rebbe said, his strong suggestion and urging was that we should utilize a day of great potency and power. We should gather our friends together. We should celebrate this with Simcha. And in doing so, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will become a better year. It'll have, we'll have a better year. And as a result of celebrating our birthdays in a better way, life will be better for all of us. And this was uh, the Rebbe's hope. The Rebbe's hope and prayer does that every one of us would fulfill his or her destiny, that we would live life fully, that we would do what Hashem expects and wants of us, and that living life even more fully than we've lived it previously, that that would be the greatest aliyah and the greatest nachas for the Rebbe's and Zashama. And that's really why he launched this entire, if you will, uh, campaign, birthday campaign of celebrating our Hebrew birthdays. So, you know, I, I call everybody on the Hebrew birthdays. I wish them happy birthday. And they say to me, um, it's not my English birthday. I say, I didn't know you were English. <laughs> I said, but it's my Hebrew birthday. Aren't you Hebrew? <laughs> it's a Jewish birthday. Where are Yidden? We are Yidden. So if we are Yidden, then this is our birthday. This is the birthday that's important for us. This is the birthday that's meaningful for us. And Hashem should help that now that you all have more knowledge about this, that you celebrate your birthdays with greater joy and thanksgiving to Hashem, that you utilize this day of potency and power even more so than you've done it till now. And hopefully, by fulfilling the Rebbe's Ratzon, we'll bring Nachas to the Rebbe and the Rebbe's on high. And as, as a result of being Mimala, of fulfilling his Bakasha, his request, and his instructions, that will merit Bezrat Hashem in our time to see the fruition, the completion of the Leda of the birth of Am Yisrael, which was celebrated, we begin the celebration on Pesach, and Bezrat Hashem will reach its fruition and completion with the coming of Mashiach, Bemheira, will be Amen. Amen. Now next week, we're going to talk about birthdays after a person passes on. That's going to be, that's going to be the final segment of our